I'm Alex Mito. And I'm James Milley. And this is The Artist Business Plan, your favorite weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs, hosted by Superfine Art Fair. What's going on, business artists? You are listening to The Artist Business Plan, which means that you are certifiably awesome. If you don't know me by now, my name is Alex Mito. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Superfine Art Fair. Superfine, we're the most widespread art fair for artists in the U.S. We're also one of the top resources for all things art, artists, and of course, marketing of your art. I'm also one of our two hosts here on the Artist Business Plan, along with my business partner, James Milley, which now reaches over 7,000 monthly listeners in 100 countries around the globe and growing every single week, thanks to listeners just like you. Today, we've got Erica Stella here with us on the mic. Erica is going to share an awesome masterclass on uplifting artists online with daily content. I don't know about you, but I am so excited to hear what she has to say. But first, I've got an amazing offer here just for you ABP listeners. Artists, have you ever felt anxious, alone, and not sure about the next move for your career? Good news, those days are over. For nearly six years, we've taken thousands of hours to develop the best art fair model for artists out there. Superfine art fairs have helped hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that you deserve. For a limited time, we are offering you the chance to not only get a great discount on your booth, but also appear on this very podcast as a special guest reaching thousands of artists, art influencers, collectors, and arts professionals every day. To find out how you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity, just visit www.superfine.world offer to learn more. We can't wait to welcome you to the Superfine community and start helping you sell more art today. All right, so we are back here with Erica Stella and we're ready to change the way that you think about your art career. Erica Steller is the daughter of a wedding photographer, so it was no wonder when she picked up the camera herself. She received her BFA from Marymount Manhattan College. Erica picked up the camera to support the arts and what was happening at this exciting time in art history. She became an intern at 17 Frost Gallery in 2016 and contributed to the third edition of Sold Magazine as a photographer. Erica is now the editor of Sold Magazine, which brings a daily dose of online art content to all of you. Welcome to the Artist Business Plan, Erica. Thank you so much for having me. It's our pleasure. We're looking forward to the conversation. So we have a tradition here. Before we really dive into our questions, we want to ask you something that'll help our listeners get to know the real Erica. What is the earliest memory that you have of art? The first thing I I think of is uh, being in the dark room with my father, developing film, watching the images come to life in in the solution that's that's the first thing that comes to mind. That's so cool. I, I've been in a dark room and it's it's kind of a crazy experience. And I was actually just reading a novel where a scene takes place in a dark room and I was like going back in time to that moment as well. It's very visceral, right? Because you have the smells, the chemicals, the red light, like everything is so, it's really unique. It's just not an experience you have anywhere else. Yeah, uh, he was a self-taught, photographer and he had his own business and and it was just a really a part of my childhood. The other part of my childhood was dance and ballet training and so my other flip side of being an artist and and learning that I that was my art expression as a child was through movement. So when they they kind of married uh, in college 
And my thesis in college was the art of capturing art. I started shooting my friends in rehearsals, backstage. So my camera became this eye to a, a back story of, of dance. And then I would also shoot performances. But the contrast was dif- the difference between a professional photographer and a dancer shooting and having that more intimate perspective than a professional photographer who technically has all the bells and whistles. I love that concept, though, the art of capturing art, right? Because art by its very nature is ephemeral. I mean, if you you take a step back and everything is ephemeral, but there's a lot of art like street art, dance, you know, that we, when it's done, it's done, you know, it's not there anymore. So the idea of capturing it being an art form in and of itself, I think is really interesting. I think it'll resonate with a lot of our listeners as well who do that. That's kind of the way they approach art. Right. So I was then this is also in the 80s and, and into the 90s when I went to college. So uh, this is before the digital age. So I'm, I'm really aging myself. Uh, so then, you know, a whole lifetime later when this explosion of street art, graffiti was something I was a hip hop kid and being a dancer, of course, that was my, um, you know, just what I loved. But to see these worlds collide, I know that Graffiti also comes from the punk scene and all these other influences, but it's one of the pillars of hip hop. So when I saw these worlds colliding with graffiti turning into big productions with the evolution of of these murals that grew out of this graffiti scene, there's no way that an artist in any way is not influenced, if not inspired by what goes on in the public space. So, so that's kind of where my photography with dance and capturing that has now, you know, at this point in my life, uh, capturing what happens on the street. Uh, I, I really tie those two things together in, in what I'm doing today. I love that. I love that, you know, tying these seemingly disparate worlds of like graffiti and street art and dance together through your lens. It's such a neat approach and like your background coming from both directions. I think it's really, really cool. So I want to dive in a little bit to Sold, because I think Sold's really interesting. So you started as a contributor to Sold, and you're now the editor-in-chief. What is that experience like, like coming from you know, a contributor to the editor and then curating and delivering all of this daily online content? Um, well, thank you. It has been a labor of love for many of us. I speak on the behalf of many soldiers who have helped bring it to what it is today. What it, It's an evolving platform. The approach was to be artists, by artists for artists. So as opposed to a traditional editorial art magazine that works with galleries and galleries by ad spaces in their publications, the relationships were with the artists. And what we saw happening, whether it be illegal or legal, stickers, murals, we wanted to tell the story of what was happening and to work with the galleries wasn't the approach to take. It was to tell the stories of the actual artists. And that's where the photographers come in. And what I really love about street art, or and I say that as a general, you know, what happens on the street in all different forms is that it's collaborative and 
the relationship between the photographers and the artists are, are symbiotic. Somebody actually compared it to um, Spider-Man and Venom to me this morning, and it made me laugh. Because uh, they need us like we need them. It's just become this really amazing subculture that um, I, I find myself in, and I it's a something I really feel very passionate about. Bringing stories to the public is a new way for everyone to enjoy art. It's such a, an interesting conversation that we're having today. I, I love that. And I'm going to, I'm going to go a little bit off of our script here because I have an, an, you know, a thought popped in my mind. I was talking to a friend of mine last week who is, and I, and I get the kind of like inverted commas around street art. Like what is street art in this day and age? Like it's really, I like it's everything on the street, but I have a friend who, who makes murals and, you know, he started as just like, you know, doing little small things on paper and, you know, he eventually began to make murals and he's paid very well when he does it. And when he's published anywhere, he told me, cause we did a little call last week. He's like, you know, every time I get published somewhere, I get requests and that's how I pay my bills. That's what I do. So do you find, cause I feel like, you know, street art, graffiti, the things that happen on the street, they can be difficult to monetize within like the gallery context or within like the traditional art market, even though they, they have had quite an extended moment in contemporary art. But, you know, do you find that a publication such as yours or, you know, others that cover street art through photography, does that help the artists economically and, you know, be able to monetize their work to do murals for actually for pay and also sell work as well? That is the feedback. <laughs> Speaking from a business perspective, the way that we did approach it was not a really great business model for us, but we do feel passionately that we are helping the artists that we write about. And it's why it's been such a, I want to say a group effort. So we all have our other jobs or other things that we do because it was, it is a passion project that we're still um, working on getting funded. But the priority has always been to help artists. And the response is that the when we talk about an artist, it turns into revenue for them. I will say it's been a, a learning lesson along the way that at one point we were covering so much and just turning out so much stuff that, that it was almost... I want to say overwhelming the amount that we were doing and had to look back at like, we were really giving away a lot of, of content, but to go back into the archives and look what we did for artists is, is rewarding. And that content's there. So it was a, a three years of daily dose. Uh, once we, we did the three issues that were given out for free that was when I was a photographer and contributor. And then the Daily Dose was just an online platform. And we were turning out written articles, podcasts, which I know we we also wanted to talk about that. That started a year after. And um, so much content. Um, of course, the last year put the brakes on a lot. But kind of the reason I, I brought that up and this this program being the artist business plan, I mean, it's not the the artist business plan simply for artists who are making 20 by 20 portraits and selling them at galleries. It's the artist business plan for artists who are doing all kinds of things, whether that is photography, street art photography, documentary photography, or creating murals on walls and in public places. So I think it's really neat. And, and I think 
just hearing you talk and then thinking of my conversations with friends recently, how important I think it is if you are an artist who makes art in public spaces to develop relationships with people who are passionate about the work and cover it in photos and on social media and in digital publications, physical magazines. This is a really important thing. And this, and I might be paraphrasing a little of what you're saying here, Erica, but <laughs> I, I believe it's really important and, and maybe more important than artists who sell physical work, either through galleries or fairs. So it's sort of a, I think it's a neat thing. And that being the feedback that you've gotten, I'm not surprised. So I'm glad we, we went into that realm. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think that all artists can, you know, they explore all different avenues. So, you know, we've seen people start on the street and work their way into galleries. We've seen people come out of the galleries and, and want to explore the streets. It's the, the crossover into so many different um, avenues is what's so interesting about the conversation. But, but yeah, as far as sold magazine monetizing, we definitely have, have helped out artists and the responsibility of that weighs on us of, you know, who we're talking about versus who we're not talking about. I know that was one of your questions. <laughs> How do you like avoid when there's disputes between people or, you know, bad blood between people? And, and, and we've always tried to take high roads with things and, and, and talk about positive events going on. Absolutely. And, and I applaud you guys for that. That's, that's the way to go, in my opinion. We're going to come right back, everybody. Eric is going to tell you more about what you want to know about turning your artwork into a career and much more. But first, a message from our sponsors. New York City, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and yes, Miami. These are just a few of the places where you and your art can meet your next collector when you take the next step and exhibit with us at Superfine Art Fairs. For nearly six years, we've taken thousands of hours to develop the best art fair model for artists out there. Superfine Fairs have helped hundreds of artists just like you take control of their careers, build relationships with collectors, and create the art income and freedom that you deserve. For a limited time, we're offering you the chance to not only get a great discount on your booth, but also appear on this very podcast as a special guest, reaching thousands of artists, art influencers, collectors, and arts professionals every day. To find out how you can take advantage of this incredible opportunity, just visit www.superfine.world offer to learn more. Don't miss the chance to be a part of the top business artist community in the world. And we are back here with Erica. So Erica, we talked a little bit about the business of street art and being covered by magazines like Sold and publications online. How can a street artist turn their artwork into a blossoming career? And also, how can a photographer aid them in this? I think some things to uh, you know be careful of um, as people working on the streets is no matter where you are, where you're being asked to commissioned, if we're talking about legal work, you know, if you're being commissioned by a business or something, you know, really know the environment. It's so important to know the neighborhood, the street you're working on, the history of the building. That's really important. A lot of people just want to go from canvas to the street. And there's a lot of responsibility that comes with participating in, in working in the public space. And so that's something that that could really bite you in the foot if you make a wrong step. I Actually, I love that that thought, right? Because, you know, there is this responsibility when you're doing something in a public sphere. And I mean, what that immediately calls to mind for me is Miami. I lived in Miami. I went to 
to college there, lived there again for two years. I, I'm always in Miami. I'll be there in two weeks. So I feel it's like my hometown, really. And you get this thing where every single artist in the world, and I know some of you are listening, and I know some of you are my friends, <laughs> and that's cool. Every single artist in the world wants to come down, and they want to show their work, and they want to do something. And you got to remember, Miami is a city 365 days a year with diverse culture. It's not just Cuban. There's Puerto Rican, Venezuelan, Jewish. Like I mean, the, the city's been around for a long time, has a lot of culture. And when you're stepping into these neighborhoods, you're not just stepping into a street where there's a wall and putting you know, like you said, going from canvas to wall, you're actually, you know, participating in, in another, in many other people's lives. So a little bit of conscientiousness goes a very long way. And it's not exclusive to Miami. I mean, this is worldwide, but like really thinking about that goes a really long way. I kind of want to just jump in and add a little something. I hope that's okay. Maybe you have some thoughts on this as well. But a lot of street artists derive their income from commissions, from, you know, a corporate commission for, are either retail business or oftentimes from like a developer who's doing a condominium or an office building project, which is cool. I mean, honestly, like by all means, great. The thing I would kind of throw in here, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this, Erica, but two things. One, you think about, you know, who the people are behind it. Is it good? Is it something that you really want to match your ethics up with? And I'm not saying that all are not, but just to check that and like make sure like this is like something good, right? You're not doing like, something abhorrent and you didn't mean to. The other part of the puzzle, I think, is just just get paid well for it because they stand to gain so much. They're using you as content. I'm a pro-capitalism person. I believe we should all have an ability to make a living and do cool things. And I'm all for like someone building a really cool building and like selling cool units in it to people. Wonderful. But remember, they're selling units. If you're in New York City, they're selling them for one to two million at least. If you're in another city, it's at least a few hundred thousand dollars each. So your mural is not just the time that you put, I'm saying mural, but it could be sculpture, it could be any other project. It's not just the time you're putting into it, like 50 hours times what you think your rate is. It's really like a factor of how they're able to market their project. So I would say force them to be fair about it is my, is my two cents. What, what do you think, Erica? It is a complete topic of conversation right now. And that's why I brought up the know your environment, know who you're working with. We all have a line that we're willing to cross and we're not willing to cross. And that really is different for everyone. If you're willing to cross a line that ethically some aren't, you got to be ready for any pushback that might occur. These people have the money to pay artists what they should be paid. The thing here is we're really in the wild, wild west of, you know, some artists for the ability to just get their name out there will do something for free. Or if it's something they're so passionate about, like a, um, a protest, they'll do work for free. And or just because it's in the public space and somebody takes a great picture of it, it's worth it. But when it comes to these type of things that you're talking about, of course, that is going to pay the bills and it should pay the bills. But there is due diligence that comes along with it. I think that's also why it's good to be a part of the community so you have other artists to ask. There was a project that is now being discussed that I was reached out to a year ago by a lot of artists and said, should I do this? And I said, no, but that's my opinion. And if you do do it, 
there might be some repercussions. You might have to, you know, say, hey, listen, I am willing to deal with that. Speaking so vaguely, but um, I, I think it is really a personal decision. You know, it's like actors had to decide whether or not they'd ever do a Woody Allen movie. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And I mean, I, and I'm not the kind of person where I will begrudge somebody for doing something, especially if it's putting food on their table or whatever else they need to do. So whatever, you know, you do what you have to do. But I think that's really good advice. Do what you have to do, but be ready. If you're making a deal with the devil, be ready for the repercussions. It might not come from Erica or myself, but it might come from somewhere else. If you are somebody who does work in the public space and you do have your name out there and you do something, this is such an exciting time. I mean, I hate, I feel like we're going in these like landmines that artists can fall down, but this is such an exciting time. Living artists are getting paid. It's so thrilling that they're, they're making living wages. They're able to like, cause is at the Brooklyn Museum right now. Whatever you think about him, uh, controversial or not, he is a young artist and he is, has a huge exhibit. It's, it's exciting. You really think about, um, culturally such an exciting time in art history. You know, when I was a kid, I thought art stopped at Andy Warhol. There was nothing more exciting than Andy Warhol. And now we're like really just seeing such an explosion and, and it it is controversial. A lot of things that are, are going on. There's a lot of discussion. And I think for me as a photographer, I'm just, I'm so thrilled to document. I love that. And and I love that that take on where art is going and, and looking at it positively because I think there's a lot of like negativity sometimes. I mean, this goes for the entire world, but there's a lot of negativity. It's like this sucks or starving artists or whatever, but there's also a lot of positivity and a lot of, like you said, like young artists getting opportunities they didn't have 30, 40, 50, 100 years ago. And I think that's a, it's a really cool time to be alive and see that and to support that in whatever way you can. I mean, And I say this even to artists who are listening. If you have the capacity to support other artists economically in whatever small way you're able, like Prince, whatever, or big way, whatever, it's so important just to kind of keep that momentum flowing where artists are having opportunities that are not only creatively viable, but economically viable. So basically, I completely agree with you, Erica. And actually, I just want to spin back one more time on, you know, public art for private purposes doing art that you're paid for. I think a good litmus test is if they're getting more out of it than you are, you should be compensated well. If you're getting a great opportunity and it's, you know, it's a cultural center, it's a boys and girls club, it's whatever it may be, you weigh it out and you say, look, do I have the time? Is this something I really want to do? Sure. Okay. What pay for the paint or whatever or not. It's up to you. But when it's something where, again, I'm just doing some very simple math, but if you have 200 condominium units for sale and they're a million dollars each you should be making a little more than a thousand bucks to put something on the wall that every single person is going to see and they're going to use in their marketing materials and to tell the story which is every brand is about storytelling right now they're telling the story of street art of an artistic building so you need to like you don't want to go to them and, be, and price yourself out and be like oh you know, give me a million bucks but like just keep in mind that if they're if they stand to gain a great deal by your participation, that fair compensation is in order, and that's my opinion. But you know, throwing it on the table there. <laughs> well said, and I'll just uh, throw it in there for uh, you know women. It's good to make you know ask your male counterparts in in 
projects and make sure that the, the women are getting paid equally. Yeah, this is something that we shouldn't have to be saying, but I, we, it, it's really good advice, you know, especially with this kind of public mural art or outdoor art. Uh, yeah, asking your male counterparts because it's not always fair. So I think that's really important. All right, so we're coming up to kind of our last question here. So Erica, when you're curating a daily magazine, what are some of the things that you look for and what do you filter out? Like what jumps out at you and what do you kind of like push to the side? It's been a a learning journey um, working with Sold. And the reason I wanted to get involved with the team was because I didn't think that just my perspective was fair. I wanted to be part of a, a, a team of, of people who we all were sharing. I really had this you know, vision of just a team of, of resources. That was how we were able to, oh, hey, I know this guy's going to be in town. I know this one. And you know, we're somebody in each borough of the city uh, knowing when, when things were happening. That was just how I felt we could truly document. It was very difficult. And, and <laughs> I think we burnt us out after a while. In reflecting on this last year, of course, when I think of street art in any kind of form, I think of uh, big, loud imagery that, that you know, my camera is attracted to. And then there are these, these sweet images and, and there's the layers of street art. I think the history and a story behind something is what we really like to focus on, not just some commissioned piece by, you know, some company. Although we've done things like that, like, you know, this is getting paid for by this, you know, sponsored thing. But the real stories of, you know, maybe a small business helping them out with, you know, re- redoing their gates or something, as opposed to like the, Bowery Wall, you know, getting repainted. That's not necessarily the stories, you know, there's so many to tell. We we try to tell the more grassroots stories. I I think I think that's where we're trying to come from. Cool. I like that. I think that's actually really good really good input for artists out there and whether you're a street artist or not. And I hear this echoed from many in who are in the media world. I mean, you're looking for a story and something that has context that gives context to the work rather than just like, you know, the Bowery Wall is a good example, just a place that's consistently recurated or like Wynwood or something like that. You can certainly do a beautiful piece there and like hopefully, you know, it gets great attention. Yeah, don't don't doubt that I'll be there when they're repainting it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but. That's a lot. You know, it really is these stories. And I mean, you know, it really, I think this is pretty universal to artists or actually really to anyone who's trying to get the word out about something I think we're in a day, and, and I agree with you on this, Eric. I think we're in a day and age where the story really is king or queen of the uh, of the media world. I mean, we're looking for like not just like the news, like this happened, that happened, this happened, that happened. It's like, what's the context? Like, does this have a broader context? Does it, you know, talk to? Does it speak to small business as well? Does it bring in some, you know, really relevant issue in an authentic way? Not like, well, I just did it because there's an issue out there. But like, does it have like an authentic way of relating to these common issues we're facing? Yeah. And I also think like, you know, we don't always jump on. I know there's been some things like, uh, I'm trying to think of it a good example, but I could say like NFTs for for example. Um, We're really haven't 
jumped the gun on some things and, and there've been other things in the past we haven't just jumped on and, and maybe kind of sat back and waited like, okay, how are we going to tell this story? And, and, but because, you know, everybody's so media saturated, we do try to take a little more time and tell a more intimate story. I love that. And I've also been a little bit personally ambivalent on the M- NFTs, but I do, I, I do need to get going on here. We actually had someone recently who knew quite a bit about them. I think James interviewed. I need to learn more, but I'm, I'm, I've been a little bit like one step back from it, admittedly. I, I, my first question is, is how is it really going to help the artists? I, I see that it could broaden the, their audience. So that's what's interesting. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of tools out there that are really helping to broaden audiences. I, I've been enlightened by this podcast and some of the people we've had on here who've used platforms that I had completely written off, like TikTok, to generate a huge audience and, and economic success. So just keep listening because we get new people every week. We learn new things every week. Yeah, I would say sold is, is uh, you know, doing the best we can with our social media. But we, as far as artists, you know, reach out to us, uh, keep in touch with us. You know, we're always uh, doing new things. And and also we're, we have a podcast where we're going to get started up here soon. Uh, we took a little bit of a hiatus uh, through the pandemic. but Awesome. Well, Erica... This has been an incredible conversation. So you've got the podcast, you've got social media, you've got ways for artists to reach out. Let's bring it home. Is there a call to action that you want to share with our listeners so that they can take advantage of relationships with Sold and of all the content that you offer them? Yeah, well, thank you very much for this. This was this was fun. SoldMagNY.com is the website and there's a mailing list to sign up for so you'll get our newsletter. We're getting ready to announce a new podcast series with Big Ronnie and Tony Loud, comedian and uh, host of our previous podcast in the Spray Room, are going to start uh, doing some fun interviews out on the street and really like lighthearted stuff. And then I'm going to start hosting a female-focused podcast. We're, we're talking about female-focused things that we deal with in the street art world and beyond uh, tackling those issues. So that's coming up for Sold. But on top of that, our daily content on our Instagram, Sold Mag NY, or is it just Sold Mag? It's just Sold Mag on Instagram. And our YouTube is also Sold Mag. It's the the red dot. And and just to tell everybody, the red dot is is a call to a piece being sold on a gallery wall. The little red stickers um, was the inspiration for the logo for Sold Magazine. People ask a lot of times, like, why Sold? It's really uh, about this time in art history where artists are able to sell their work, living artists. You don't have to, you know, the joke was always that you become famous when you die as an artist. And and I, I don't think that's true today. I think this is a really exciting time that artists are being recognized and supported in their careers. It's exciting. I couldn't agree more. And I love the spirit behind the name sold and the red dot and just really just like the economic empowerment of living artists is so important. So everybody get on sold's newsletter, get inspired, subscribe to the podcast. Multiple- oh yeah. And podcasts, all podcasts. It's uh, sold magazine. Sorry. All, all platforms. Oh, wonderful. So anywhere you can find any any you know podcasting app, it'll be undersold magazine, correct? 
yep, go back and listen. There's hundreds of interviews with all of your favorite artists and we'll be, you know, they're a year old now, but we're going to start up with new ones and they'll be on that channel. So go back and listen to the old interviews and, and, and ones coming up. Perfect. So all you have to remember, everybody, is Sold Magazine and Sold Mag. All the platforms, you'll find them on there. You'll also find them in the show notes. We'll add them there. To all of you business artists out there listening today, Erica has been here with us sharing her amazing perspective. You're going to want to go back, listen again, take notes. And you can do that on our website at www.superfine.world. To connect with Erica, you can follow, obviously, Sold Mag on Instagram. You can visit soldmagny.com. And I really encourage you to get on their newsletter. I'm on their newsletter, and there's all kinds of interesting stuff on there. As always, remember that we are Super Fine Art Fair on Instagram. We always appreciate a share whenever you're listening to and enjoying the artist business plan. I know a lot of you do that in the studio, on the subway, wherever else you're going. And anytime you can get on Instagram, put up a story, tag us. We always appreciate that. And we also love it if you can take just a moment of your time and write us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's our main podcasting platform. Those ratings and reviews are so critical in helping artists, entrepreneurs, just like yourselves, find us. As always, I'd like to wrap up this class by sharing a quick quote with you all. It's a short one, but it's a good one. And it is, we rise by lifting each other. And that is Robert Ingersoll. Erica, it's been such a pleasure having you with us today. Thank you so much for sharing your perspective with our listeners. And for that, we're so grateful to you. Thank you for having me. It was our pleasure. And everybody else, have an awesome rest of your day. Remember to stay on top of your artist business plan. Get out there and make it happen. Thanks for joining us for another episode of The Artist Business Plan, a weekly business podcast for artist entrepreneurs brought to you by Superfine Art Fair. Hosted by Superfine CEO Alex Mito and co-founder slash professional artist James Milley, join us and leaders in the art, marketing, and business arenas each week for tips, tricks, and value bombs designed to help you thrive and sell more art. For more information on applying to Superfine Art Fair, as well as recordings of this in all of our past podcasts, just visit www.superfine.world. We love to hear what you have to say, so just follow us on Instagram at superfineartfair and shoot us a message to let us know you're listening. Looking for a more personal connection or want to exhibit at an upcoming fair? Just shoot us an email at artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world and we'll get right back to you. That's artistsmakingmoney at superfine.world.